Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Michael Reed on LMFM. Well, what else has uh, the pandemic done? The Children's Rights Alliance says uh, that for a great number of children, their right to education is being impinged on. And then there's the problems in education pre-COVID. And that's why the Alliance is now calling for a radical overhaul of the education system. Let's uh, talk to Tanya Ward, who's Chief Executive with uh, the Children's Rights Alliance. And a very good morning to you, Tanya. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the programme this morning. You held a political panel discussion on the future of education yesterday. I'm sure you heard many thoughts and and ideas. uh, And it was a, a very big subject, if ever there was, because you're talking about education from zero to 18 years. That, that's right. I mean, it was a great opportunity, to be honest, to bring together all the education spokespersons uh, in, in the Oireachtas together to really look at where we're going in education. Because, look, we, we've just been through the mill when, when it comes to COVID. You know, our schools have been closed. It's the first time that that's happened globally in, in, in a very long time. Um, and it's had a massive effect on children, uh, particularly children with disabilities, traveller children, maybe families struggling on lower incomes or uh, parents that might be struggling uh, at, at home. Um, and at the same time, I think, you know, the government did the right thing by prioritising the reopening of schools after COVID over all other sectors. And obviously, other sectors are paying the price in terms of jobs. So if you look at the hospitality uh, sector, for example, but we really felt in the Children's Rights Alliance the time was right to actually look to the future now about what kind of education system we want to build. Because I think over over the pandemic, it became very apparent that there were really critical problems for, for children and young people. And I think the first one that a lot of people said to me they really noticed was, you know, uh, apart from one organisation, and that's the Irish uh, Secondary School Students' Union, um, there are only one voice alongside 16 other voices when decisions are being made uh, in relation to education. And that's despite the fact, obviously, education, it is for children and, mm. and young people. That's primarily what it's for. They spend six to seven, sometimes eight hours a day in school. Mm. Um, but but yes, they you know decisions aren't always made in, in their best interest. And that's so just, uh, just expand on that a bit, Tanya, because, uh, I mean, uh, in one sense, that sounds a bit odd that they should be given a greater voice because they're there to learn, despite being there for all those hours. The purpose is, is that they learn and that they're taught. Uh, so uh, what contribution do you want them to bring to that scenario? Yeah, but I mean, what big decisions are, you know, if, if, they're, you're the, if, you're, if you're providing a service for someone, 
Um, in any other area, uh, you, you know, if you're designing a health services, you'd really be consulting with your consumers to make sure what you're providing is in line with, with their needs and, and in their interests. And children actually have a very specific right to be consulted on decisions that are affecting them. And actually, if you do consult them, often you get the right answer from them or you get a very good answer. Because I remember when we did a consultation, we were doing a report for the UN and we would have all the teachers' unions and all the big princip- the principals' representative groups, etc., in our membership, and they gave us great recommendations on where we need to go in education. But when we talked to children and asked them what they wanted to see happen, they raised the quality of teaching as their issue they wanted addressed. Um, and so they do have a different take on the world and a different perspective. And when they're asked about it, to be honest, and they've done the kind of consultations with young people in school, you find that they arrive in school in first year, they're very motivated um, and they're very engaged. And throughout their kind of school education, as they get older and a bit more mature, and they kind of realise that they're actually not, their views aren't valued in the same way. They, they, it can affect their motivation and education mm. and make them very despondent when they get to fifth and sixth years. Now, some schools get this right. That's the, it's not all schools. Um, but we also need to look at it's not just schools. It's also when big decisions are made um, at the table for children and young people. Um, like it was really stark, I think, in January when the minister wants to get schools open for children in special schools because she knew that they were going to pay a very high price if they didn't reopen. Um, and we knew that because the parents were just telling us about the huge change in children with special needs last year. I remember I had one parent contact me to say, you know, her child had been in special school since the age of four. Um, and with the school closures, uh, he was 12 and he'd actually started being violent for the first time ever. And she was really struggling and it was killing her to see it because she knew he was really unhappy and very disturbed that his everyday life had changed. Um, and I suppose it was really striking back in January. And obviously it's a very difficult scenario, but mm. the minister wants to make the right decision and the best decision for children and young people. But that wasn't possible to implement. Yeah. And that's something I think we need to ask because north of the border, um, Northern Ireland and the rest of the UK, they were able to open schools, special schools for vulnerable children and children with special needs. So there's something there that we need to crack if we're going to have you know, an education system mm. that delivers for all children and young people in the country. Uh, uh, as you say, you'd, uh, the education uh, spokespeople from the polit- various diffi- uh, political parties uh, across uh, the board, government parties represented as well as opposition uh, and so on. Uh, do you think it, it, it's right to say that everybody can uh, agree what the problems are uh, but it's very difficult to find a consensus on the solutions. Yeah, I mean, that was what was really striking, actually, listening to different political parties. I mean, there was huge levels of agreement uh, on what the problems are. And to be honest, there is a real interest in doing the right thing among everyone, among all stakeholders. I mean, that always shines through. But it's very complex to do anything within the education system because there's so many actors uh, when big decisions are being made. Um, and we don't actually have a state education system in the way other countries do, actually, to be honest, because, you know, it, the, the Department of Education provides the money and the curriculum and pays the salaries. But we actually allow schools to do a huge amount themselves and decide a huge amount themselves. So that was coming through from some of the Oireachtas members they were saying, look, it's very hard to change anything in Ireland because, you know, the department doesn't make decisions on some of the critical things that are really important for children and young people. And and maybe that needs to be looked at in, in, in a future model. But, like, if you look at some perennial issues, like 
stress and the leave insert. Um, every time I meet teenagers and they come in and they present to us and they present at different kind of government forums, mm. the big thing they're raising is stress and the leaving search and they describe their experience and of course it's the same as mine 25 years later it's the mm. same as the one I had um, and it's you know you want to create milestones for young people when they're developing but what we're seeing in the leaving search is enormous stress and it's not helping children and young people develop educationally but yes reform of the leaving certificate has been extremely slow mm. and why is that? And they're the kind of perennial questions that we have to address if we're looking to the future. But it's to reform the state exams uh, that it's not a case of uh, abolishing state exams. We we need some sort of uh, exit from second level education, yeah, a, a, a test yeah. to see where yeah, people definitely. may be suited from there on. Yeah, you have to. I mean, people mm. need accreditation, need recognition for where they're mm. going and what they've learned in schools. But like the Leaving Certificate itself, you know, it's mainly a, a rote learning. Mm. Um, I remember myself, you know, where I did well, I went off and got grinds. Mm. And the grinds were about how to answer the Leaving Cert questions. Mm. They weren't really about other bigger things. And it's a very different learning experience when yeah. you get to university. Like it's, it's just so different. Because that, bring, that brings me back to, to something that, that you mentioned earlier on uh, about teaching and the quality of teaching. And I, I wanted to ask you about that uh, because you're always going to get good teachers and bad teachers. Uh, is it yeah. a question of the quality of teaching or the method of teaching? Well, look, they're, they're both interlinked, to be honest with you. Right? So, so it depends sometimes how teachers uh, do teach um, uh, and what they are doing in the classroom. That makes a, a big difference for children and young people. And I think the key there is you know, making sure teachers get access to the really the, the, the latest methods that are tried and tested and they know that they work and also knowing the kind of needs their students have and making sure they're able to adapt to their students. Um, we talked to uh, some teachers in the special schools, they'll tell you that they use actually some different methodologies uh, that they might be using in, in mainstream schools and, and, and that's what you would expect. That's what, you know, good teacher training should be mm. uh, providing for and, and supporting. But one of the things I think is really important, um, and I hear this time and time again when I meet organisations, uh, it's the kind of aspirations that teachers have for the children in the mm. schools. So when teachers have really high aspirations for the children and the young people in their schools, um, and that, that's irrespective of what abilities they have and what their background is, it really motivates children and young people. They do better. Mm. But when people have low expectations of them, it's very demoralising and they don't do as well. Yeah. And I would hear that from a lot of the members, particularly working with children with disabilities. They'd say, I'm working with a child that clearly want, wants, has the capacity mm. to develop literacy skills mm. and hasn't. And I, I think that it comes back again to um, the method of teaching rather than the quality of teaching because no matter what, you're going to have good teachers and bad teachers. And if you look at languages, for example, Tanya, I mean, yeah. people will always say to you, why are we so bad in this country at languages? You look at them uh, in Spain, uh, the waiters uh, are on ridiculously low money, but they can speak about four languages. Uh, and it's the same all across Europe. Uh, no matter what level of education you have, one thing you can do is speak a number of different languages. Here, uh, we're no good at French or German or Spanish or anything else, but apart from that, we spend 10 years in school and we can't, we come out and we can't speak our native tongue. I know, I know. And that's, so, that's so, probably the biggest scandal, really, isn't it? Well, that, that's, that, that, that yeah. says a lot about how we teach Irish. Uh, and yeah. it follows then uh, that there's a problem in terms of how we teach languages. Uh, and if there's problems there in the approach, uh, well, then... Maybe there's a question about method overall. 
That's right. And look, and it's a huge missed opportunity, to be honest, if you're teaching young people 10 years of Irish and they're leaving school at very low levels, because we know that children and young people that become bilingual, that actually pick up one language, what happens is they do very well in other languages. But one of the things that's very clear in it is if you're going to be good at languages, you have to be good in your first language. Mm. So if we haven't developed really good skills for children in English, uh, you find they find picking up foreign languages and Irish second languages very difficult. Mm. So it goes back to, you know, what, what are we doing in relation to English and where are we going in relation to literacy um, and the overall attitude, you know, and how we teach the other subjects as well. But, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it's not acceptable children are leaving school without very little Irish. And it, 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 I think it goes back to mm. how we're teaching it, but also the exam system, not necessarily developing uh, mm. young people's uh, language skills. I was going to start our conversation by asking how long is a piece of string uh, because uh, it would be easier to answer than what you might do to overhaul the education system or you could answer it quicker perhaps. Um, it's a, 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 a conversation that could go on forever and certainly not one that could be addressed in a 10-minute radio discussion. Uh, but before we finish up, maybe you'd talk to us about the Constitutional Convention on Education. Yeah, I mean... That, to be honest, is a big opportunity to really look fully at all the different issues because I think any time the Constitutional Convention meets, and they do take quite a bit of time, you know, you've got ordinary citizens taking part in it, and they take quite a bit of time to look at all the research and the data and the arguments from from different groups on things. And by and large, they come up with very good recommendations for, you know, the government to implement of the day. So it's coming up soon um, and they're going to have the chance to look at all aspects of it. So I would expect, you know, they'll look at the role of children's voices in school um, and, and, where, and why they're absent. I'd expect they'd look at the role of religion in schools uh, and the fact that, you know, a lot of like, you actually have a right as a parent to send a child to a school that's either in line with your religion or if you have no religion, <laughs> that's not a religion. And we know that for um, children and young people, outside, parents outside Dublin, maybe living in rural areas, they're finding it very difficult to find a school that's in line with their own religious denomination. Um, and they, I think that's going to be a big question um, about the education system, the ownership of it, and the role of the Department of Education as well. Like, is it acceptable that they just play this very high-level role and that all the decisions are taking place with the individual schools themselves, or do we need a, some level of reorientation? I think that's all going to come up at that Constitution Convention. OK, we'll leave there for the moment. Tanya, thank you, though, for speaking to us uh, this morning. It's no always problem. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks very much. Tanya Ward, Chief Executive Officer with uh, the Children's Rights Alliance. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack 
for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.